0: and welcome back to the To the Heights podcast, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Olivia Colombo. I'm a changemaker, a journalist, and a future social worker. In today's episode, in line with our theme of telling stories of social justice, I'm going to tell you a story with a little bit of help from people, including the mayor of Boston, Marty Walsh, and some veterans experiencing homelessness in the city. I wrote this story last year, and then it was never published for some reasons that we'll get to at the end. But the story has a bit happier of an ending now, as I have updates on the situation to share. It is still just as messy of a situation, and the players involved are indeed messy as well. More on that later. So here's the story that I want to share. It's not my story, though I wrote it. I'm here to tell it because of the brave men and women that I met while writing it. It's their story. So here it is. The irony of success, how the solution to chronic veteran homelessness in Boston actually perpetuated the problem. On the corner of Atlantic Avenue and Summer Street, directly across from Boston's South Station, sits Joe, perched on a cement wall with a cart of his belongings and books beside him. He's bundled up with layers of years of donated and salvaged clothing, and peeking out from his unzipped sweatshirt are dog tags and a crucifix. In response to an inquiry about his dog tags, he replies in fragments. Quote, U.S. Marines, desert storm, eight years in Iraq and Afghanistan, he says, clutching the dog tags tightly. After serving, Joe returned to his hometown of Phoenix, and when he found himself homeless, he splurged for a plane ticket from Phoenix to Boston about two years ago on a quest for housing. When asked where he sleeps at night, He solemnly extends a finger towards a bench across the street. Joe's pursuit of housing in Boston is not a unique story. Just down the street by St. Anthony's Shrine stands New York native Sam, who has a similar story. Quote, I had $29 in my bank account, so I bought a $25 bus ticket to Boston, Sam explains, adding that she successfully found a women's shelter shortly after her arrival in the city. Why are these veterans spending the last of their funds in an effort to get to Boston? The answer lies in a commitment to rehousing the homeless, one of Mayor Marty Walsh's stated priorities since he's been in office. In 2014, with the help of the Mayor's Task Force on Individual Homelessness, Walsh launched an action plan called End Veteran and Chronic Homelessness, aimed at eradicating both veteran and general chronic homelessness in Boston by 2018. These goals were not met. In 2016, the city of Boston announced that it had officially ended chronic veteran homelessness within the city. However, the city and veterans seem to have conflicting opinions about whether or not this claim was true. This three-month investigation has found that, ironically, the success of Boston's homelessness initiative has caused the rehousing system to become overwhelmed, as well as causing a debated relapse in the status of chronic veteran homelessness. From 2017 to 2018, Massachusetts saw one of the largest increases in veteran homelessness of any state, according to the state's annual homelessness report to Congress. The increase in individual homelessness by state can be seen visually in a map in Figure 1, linked in the show notes. Because of Boston's reputation for guaranteed rehousing and resources, quote, people are always saying, let's hop on a bus to Boston because they have the most housing said Deputy Director of the Department of Neighborhood Development Kerry O'Brien explained, quote, so the need just keeps increasing. Veteran homelessness data supports this increase. Though the number of homeless veterans was at its lowest in years in 2016, the numbers have since risen. In 2014, the Boston Continuum of Care, a COC, HUD's term to describe district divisions of housing and services for the homeless, contained 450 chronically homeless veterans. In 2016, that number was roughly cut in half to 222 veterans, but then crept back up to 233 in 2017 and then 275 in 2018. This recent number is certainly an improvement over pre-2016, but overall veteran homelessness is on the rise again. The Boston Continuum of Care Homeless Veteran Count from 2014 to 2018 can be seen in a graph in Figure 2 in the show notes. The Boston Homeless Census from last winter, 2018 to 2019, described an increased regional demand for shelters due to more people migrating to Boston to find shelter. Quote, on the night of the 2019 census, roughly 45% of adults in the individual system came from Boston. 35 originated from other Massachusetts cities or towns, while another 20% came from a community out of state, the census found. So why did Boston, at one point in time, declare that it had solved the homelessness problem? The U.S. federal government defines chronic homelessness as, quote, either an unaccompanied homeless individual with a disabling condition, who has been continuously homeless for a year or more, or an unaccompanied individual with a disabling condition who has had at least four episodes of homelessness in the past three years. Boston officially reached functional zero in 2016, which means that the city met the criteria laid out by the U.S. Department for Housing and Urban Development, HUD, for ending chronic homelessness among veterans. Quote, we had to submit data to HUD, proving that we had either housed every chronically homeless veteran or that those veterans were refusing housing. We met all the federal standards, verifying that we had done all the work that was necessary, stated Ian Gendro, from Boston's Department of Neighborhood Development. The mayor himself, as of November 2019, also still stands by the ruling from HUD. Do you still stand by the city's statement that in 2016 chronic veteran homelessness was ended? Yeah, I stand by it because we we, we were given um, notification from HUD uh, federal program that we ended chronic veterans homelessness. Uh, we unfortunately still have veterans that are homeless on the streets of Boston, but we have a we have a system that we're getting people into housing. We've housed roughly over two thousand people, chronically homeless people, including veterans. And I think our number you can, you can verify it on Monday. I think it's like eight hundred chronically homeless veterans. The key question now is what's driving the current homelessness increase. In a broader sense, Boston is seeing a problem that countless other cities are facing. Quote, cities on the West Coast, like Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, are similar to Boston in that they have a serious problem with affordable housing. They are some of the most expensive housing markets in the country, and those places have seen an uptick in homelessness in the last couple of years when it trended downward elsewhere in the United States, explained Thomas Byrne, a professor at Boston University's School of Social Work. Why is a state with such a high cost of living so appealing for veterans? Sue Giovanetti, the director of the Plymouth Area Coalition, a small family shelter in Plymouth County, says it's not just the appeal of Boston. Massachusetts as a whole has a system in place that is highly attractive for people who find themselves homeless. While benefits like Massachusetts' Chapter 115 program an immediate financial benefit, dependent on the need level for veterans who move to Massachusetts, lure veterans to the state. Other people experiencing homelessness are attracted by the emergency shelter system. Quote, there's a limitless amount of services they can get here, Giovanetti explains. It's not unusual for people to come here for the medical care, emergency shelter system, or other resources. We're very welcoming in that way. That's one of the reasons our numbers continue to grow. Uh, I think there's a couple reasons. I think one is that there's no services in their cities so they end up coming to Boston for services. And two, I think our, our system has been successful, so a lot of people are seeing that. Mayor Walsh commented on the subject of growing numbers, specifically within the city. Even in Plymouth, 40 miles south of Boston, Jovanetti has found that veterans are coming via trains, planes, and automobiles to get the guarantee of housing through the shelter system. One of the 11 families currently residing in her shelter includes a veteran who traveled here from the south. Massachusetts, and by extension the city, has seen relative success with a Housing First approach, or HFA. The system aims to get people out of the emergency shelter system and into another form of housing as quickly as possible. But not all of the burden of this task rests on the infrastructure. When a person enters the state shelter system, they sign an agreement saying that they will be, quote, actively engaged in looking for housing opportunities, says Giovanetti. Once these homeless veterans are here and expected to search for housing, what is the state, and specifically the city where most of them reside, doing to help them hold up their end of the deal? Quote, We're doing more than any other city, Carrie O'Brien answers. Our supports are overwhelmed because people just keep coming. It's because we're the best in the region, O'Brien states, agreeing with Mayor Walsh and Giovanetti. Though people on the streets, as well as those working on the ground, agree that so much more needs to be done, there is a consensus that Boston is doing comparatively well in terms of programming relative to the surrounding cities, like Worcester or even New York City. There is a, quote, unique situation, said Kay Wilde, the vice president of the Massachusetts Housing and Shelter Alliance, referring to what Boston offers homeless veterans and the chronically homeless in general that keeps the good reputation of the city afloat and makes it what Wilde calls the premier in New England. Each week, a group of city employees and others who work on providing shelter and rehousing sit down at a meeting and run through the list of homeless, by name, and make sure that they are each individually, quote, contacted, engaged, and on a pathway to rehousing, says Wilde. Two meetings take place weekly one for all chronically homeless people, and one for chronically homeless veterans in particular. Which one of the two lists a veteran's name appears on has to do with which individual or team knows that veteran best, according to Ian Genro, who oversees these meetings. In addition to checking in on the status of each veteran, both in the meetings and on the streets, the city continues to offer other resources so-called housing surges, where shelters and transitional housing agencies set up on Boston Common for an open-house-style fair so that the homeless can gather information and resources, are becoming quite frequent. Though not on a regular schedule yet, the surges seem to be quarterly. When Joe, sitting across from South Station, was asked his thoughts on the statement that chronic veteran homelessness had been ended in 2016, he shrugged and said, They just don't have enough money to help us. While funding to meet the increasing demand is certainly an issue, Giovanetti notes that, quote, people on the receiving line don't think about where the money is going to come from. They just anticipate the benefit. It has to come from the state budget, which is generated through taxes. That's the only place it's going to come from. Though everyone is trying to be very proactive and creative in solutions, Giovanetti says. As for Boston, according to the Fiscal Year 2019 City of Boston budget, the city spent $26.3 million on its continuum of care. It is not clear in the budget report exactly how the funds have been allocated among Mayor Walsh's initiatives. An additional $2 million was allocated in 2019 specifically on the youth homelessness demonstration. One of Mayor Walsh's most prominent homelessness initiatives is Boston's Way Home an organization that works closely with and oversees other initiatives such as the New England Center for Veterans, the housing surges, and weekly status meetings. The Boston's Way Home Fund is funded by outside donations and not from taxpayer dollars. Despite a fundraising goal of $10 million, only $7 million had been raised at the time of this investigation. This money has gone toward new initiatives like the Engagement Center on Southampton Street, a day center that provides substance-free shelter for phone calls, charging electronics, using the internet for job searches, as well as food, bathrooms, and a nurse's station. The city of Boston's efforts through tax money and the Way Home Fund have adopted Massachusetts's mentality of the housing first approach. Nonprofits and local organizations, on the other hand, have centered their efforts on caring for the day-to-day needs of people chronically on the streets. Most times these people are those who choose to be there or who are unable to get out of the shelter system typically due to severe mental health issues faced by the chronically homeless, especially veterans. Quote, A lot of these folks have just been burned by the service systems in the past. They've had bad experiences with the shelter system where they've been mistreated or given the perception of being mistreated. I think a lot of the process of getting people off the streets is building trust with people and getting them engaged with services. Byrne commented. However, for those who are in shelters and seeking more permanent housing, Massachusetts and the City of Boston are taking steps to help. Many towns in the state are beginning to take a percentage of revenue from companies building new apartment complexes and putting that money in a housing trust to fund housing initiatives for homeless individuals or families. The Boston Housing Authority BHA, has started a voucher program only for those who have become homeless within the boundaries of the city. Homeless Bostonians can use a voucher to get out of the emergency shelter system and into Chapter 40 b housing, a type of housing that when built allows developers to bypass local zoning laws to increase the amount of affordable housing in towns where less than 10% of housing is deemed affordable. Chapter 40 b laws have increased the amount of affordable housing across Massachusetts. The voucher program, known as Leading the Way Home, is expanding its voucher system to accommodate the growing numbers. Earlier this year, the BHA set up a pilot online housing search called Echolocator to help the homeless find housing. Over the past four months, the voucher program and search tool have helped two of Giovanetti's residents to hold up their end of the agreement to actively search for housing. When asked about the voucher program, Giovanetti answered, quote, "...it's given them a great deal of hope and belief that there is light at the end of the tunnel, and you just can't put a price on that." This source of hope, however, is not available to all. What many veterans moving to Boston from out of state do not realize is that in order to qualify for the voucher program, they must have become homeless within the city lines of Boston. This means that those who have become homeless out of state do not qualify for this benefit simply by moving to the city of Boston. Despite these programs, the city still has almost 300 chronically homeless veterans. And some departments within the city concede that they can no longer stand by the city's 2016 statement that it had solved the veteran homelessness problem. But others, including Gendro and the mayor himself, maintain that chronic veteran homelessness is still officially ended because the veterans on the streets are being taken care of or are there by choice. Despite Boston's continued commitment to the rehousing of homeless veterans, the system is overwhelmed. Although there is previous success in Boston's programs, more money is needed to address the growing homeless population. Quote, ultimately, one of the things badly needed is a much bigger federal investment in affordable housing, says Byrne. While Boston is actively committed to rehousing homeless veterans, it is not clear how the city can expand its programs to accommodate the rising numbers of individuals from out of town without an increase in funding though homelessness advocates are continuously pushing to make this issue even more of a financial priority in the state and city budgets. Veterans continue to venture to Boston with the hope of finding a home. And as Joe illustrates, sleeping on the bench next to Self Station, that hope is not always fulfilled. Quote, sure, the city is doing a lot, but it's not enough to help us. Not enough to help all of us, Joe said. This is where the story from 2019 ends. I investigated. I spent hours upon hours talking to city officials, homeless veterans, people running shelters, and nonprofits. I was intrigued why some departments of the cities said that it had ended chronic veteran homelessness and others, blatantly on their website, said that they had not. I quite literally ducked under a table stacked with raw turkeys once in front of Cardinal Sean O'Malley, and he was like, Hi, Olivia and I was like, hi, your eminence, I gotta go talk to the mayor, and ran off to Mayor Walsh. During the beginning stages of narrowing down this story and sifting for what my narrative would be, I talked to other journalists who had worked on similar stories. One of the journalists I spoke with generally and briefly in the beginning was working for a major Boston news outlet. I thought nothing of it. I thanked her for helping a little bit, and went on my merry way for the next several months writing and investigating this story. When it was time to publish, I knew the story needed a bigger audience than I had initially intended, as I had planned to publish in our campus newspaper. So, a journalism mentor put me in touch with a bunch of editors, including one from this Boston news outlet. We heard nothing back. We bugged them again, nothing. They were sitting on my story. And sure enough, a few weeks later, they published an eerily similar story, that same journalist. It was discouraging and heartbreaking. I canned the story. The numbers were getting old anyways. And then, since my acrobatics of jumping across a table of turkeys at the Catholic Charities Thanksgiving event with the Cardinal and the mayor, I am now on the mayor's press release list. Maybe they felt bad for my turkey jumping. And something interesting popped up on this press release list a few weeks ago. Brighton Marine just opened up more housing for Boston homeless veterans. Interviewing people randomly for stories like this is a mixed bag. Since they figured out that I was a student and not a professional journalist, though I check all of the boxes for professional, I was indeed fact-checked and grilled to make sure I knew what I was talking about before I could even open my mouth with them. That aside, The organization is doing good things. So here's a piece of my chat with Brighton Marine's President and VP. All right, would you guys like to tell me what Brighton Marine is as an organization?
1: Yes, we're a nonprofit organization located in Brighton. We have a mission to serve veterans in the community of Brighton. We've been here since 1983. We took over the property essentially in 1983 from the federal government. Um, we have several different initiatives under the program. One is the U.S. Family Health Plan. We have a coordinated care network. And we have a couple of programs associated with affordable housing, the first of which is a true affordable housing mix. Uh, we're in partnership with Win, Win Residential on that development, and that's 102 units of veteran preference affordable housing. And the second is a 25-unit hud bash building that we just recently started occupancy on, and that is for formerly homeless veterans under the BASH program.
2: We started this about four years ago. We met with both the state and the city leads on veteran services, the secretary and commissioner. I won't drop names because they both left those positions. And we asked them, okay, we have a little money in the bank. What can we do to help veterans get housing? And that's more apartments, clean, safe, efficient apartments. And they said, you know, this goes back a few years. They said, the problem is the barrier is, is first month's, last month's rent, maybe an old Comcast cable bill, maybe utility bill, could be a restraining order, stuff like that. Um, and Marlene and I took that and said, well, that's an opportunity. And we had a board meeting, um, you know, regular board meeting. we brought it up and we funded, um, it's called the Veterans uh, Housing Endowment Fund. We started with 200000 and Marlene, it's, I looked at Marlene because it's Marlene's program. Because we coordinate with the VA Boston Healthcare out of VA, they select the veteran and his or her family. It's not just so; it's not singles. And um, they do they do the tenancy work with the landlord, and we send a check. And the program simply is up to two thousand dollars per family. We can help them remove that barrier to get housing. They have money for housing. Many have a job. They're not on the dole or anything like that, but they just haven't got over that hoop. And there's a stigma out there for veterans, or just like other diverse populations for landlords, how they prefer, and hopefully that in your generation, that'll go away um, with some good laws and, and social justice stuff. So that, that really is an impact. And it's not the money. Um, the money has not really been... Um, we flushed up, but we have over 400 veterans now in housing and their families through the VA. So that to us is like wow, that's an impact, yeah. even though it's indirect. You know, I don't know, I don't know if Olivia's name out in Lowell, and I don't know what rank she served, but she raised her hand, she protected us. She deserves, and her family or her mate deserves housing. So mm-hmm. that's that's a little bit smaller scale than what we've just that Marlene just described our campus yeah. with. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, would you guys like to tell me more details on the housing that just opened?
2: I'll, I'll take this up. Uh, this is a project. Uh, we had a surplus building mm-hmm. that a nonprofit left um, in good stead and built their own building literally in Mission Hill. And so it's about 15 to 17,000 feet uh, square feet. And um, Marlene and I were talking to the city, and, and I'll drop my name Sheila Dillon, who's the mayor's chief housing person, and she just gets mission. And she said, "Well, what are you guys ready for more housing?" We said, "We we were," and this is pre-COVID. We drove in the next few days, showed us some plans we had on ideas, and and actually it just got put together. You know, shortly thereafter takes about a year for all that stuff, and we've been working with the Boston Housing Authority, with the VA in Jamaica Plain, with DND, the mayor's office on homelessness, Lila Bernstein, and, and several others. So physically, it was a complete rehab. We had to put an elevator in, complete sprinkler system. So, you know, the, the, the brick and mortar was somewhat straightforward. And we have 26 apartments, they're not SROs. SROs usually come with a hot plate and a busted door. These 26 apartments, approximately around 460 to 490 square feet, not micro, but certainly not a three bedroom apartment. All brand new, all completely furnished by Bright Marine, Um, all new appliances, private shower, private bathroom. So it's really their home. This is, this is what we've learned through talking to with our friends at Pine Street and, and Joe and, and Bill's Mainspring, and Soldier On is our service component. I'll leave that to Marlene. Um, but that was, that was our goal, and now we have 25 veterans, uh, and we have the 26th is a resident director, to put it in a, a, a higher ed term, uh, and he, Jim, is an employee of Soldier On. And he's actually came through the program, the Marine Corps veteran, had a problem with alcoholism, got out of that with AA and and went through some training. And now he is really being their mentor or coach. He's not Thanks. delivering psych as much as just kind of being a buddy mm-hmm. and, and that type of stuff. But I think the differentiation from what we see in the marketplace for homeless housing is that these veterans, these heroes, um, raise their hand. So therefore, they have a rental subsidy. Um, many of them have other income. And they get just the support services they're required to get through the VA. You know, medical mm-hmm. man, management, transportation, chapter 115 benefits, were, which is not really a lot of benefits. And Marlene and I actually came up with an idea. and We don't know how to do it. We don't. We have a cafe that's run by a culinary service. We're landlords. We know how to, not even develop. We know how to maintain. We've worked out. So we're really good at partnerships, Olivia. And so Marlene and I took a trip out to uh, Chicopee, uh, Northampton area, western part of the state, where Soldier On Inc. is out there, and they work for through the VA. They have their own properties. Other other uh, landlords like Brighton Marine, and we've. We asked them, we like what we saw. We really had a great, just a, a personality fit and mission fit. And we have actually added their costs. They get they provide supplemental service supports. Um, again, along clinical, behavioral, medical management, but also skills training, mm. job training. You want to get your license? We'll help you get your license. Um, you want to do Tai Chi? We'll figure out Tom down at the Y. We'll get you into a Tai Chi program. It's not just like Al-Anon or uh, Al-Anon or AA. It's and and these men and women, you know, they have some. They, they come with some baggage, and we feel that the mission was to serve all veterans, not just mm-hmm. the middle income, low to middle income veterans. We have at our residences. Um, so that really is the, the, that's how we shaped the project. Mm-hmm. And Marlene can give you some insights, take it from that kind of black and white, dry statement that I've had. And now it's become really personalized with us, really mission related over the last two or three weeks as the, as the veterans um, occupy the building and be a member of our campus. Even when we go home, they stay here and this is their home. So if you have anything to add, please do.
1: Yeah, I think Michael has described it very well. I think the the mission of the organization and the direction from the board of directors really was to enhance a VASH program, enhance the services that are really provided under the VASH vouchers, which is case management through the VA and housing. Um, what we've found in this model is that it's a community of veterans that are treated Mm -hmm. with the respect of veterans and veterans really do identify as a veteran, especially when they're in a community. Having the 25 individuals together with a peer specialist on site and multiple case managers, one from the VA, one from Soldier On, really surrounds them with the supports that are necessary so that everyone is looking in a different direction on how to get whatever service is necessary for the veteran to get to whatever next step that is and whether that's going to the bank or, you know, we, we had a um, veteran, he's my favorite, um, I'm not supposed to have favorites, but um, you know, he has some uh, language and, and articulation issues and, and just reserved um, and was a little disheveled and needed a haircut and was, uh, you know, somewhat nervous or had a lot of anxiety of just going to the barber. So she found a barber and said, let's go to the barber and went and got a haircut and, you know, changed his whole philosophy that day, right? It just gave him one more layer of confidence, mm-hmm. which is really the objective here, is to start um, breaking down the walls and the stigmas that have developed inward on themselves um, yeah. so that they understand we respect you for who you are, whatever mm-hmm. those whatever those issues are that doesn't matter to us. What does matter to us is that we do what's necessary to help you to get to wherever you need to go. And that's working um, in most cases. Variety of issues, as Michael said. Some will be success stories. Some, you know, as long as they live here and they're safe and uh, Soldier On is providing a meal a day, a nice nutritious meal a day, and they're staying healthy and we're able to keep an eye on them with 24 hours, seven day a week security. That's just what some of them need and if that's what we can provide to them it's it's a good story to tell so yeah um, as I said there'll they'll be bumps in the road mm-hmm. not everybody's happy about everything um but for the most part they just they feel welcomed home
0: you know yeah. we've,
1: we've talked about kind of the furniture and the bedding and the towels and but just down to the pots and pans and toasters and seeing the, some of these men and women came in with one bag of a couple of outfits and that's all they had and being able to bring over um you know a dishpan with a couple of plates and glasses and cups and utensils and cleaning products and and coffee maker and they
2: all all got a pullover you know so So, you know it's it's that sense of building trust and that's mm -hmm. their job to build trust not so much with the landlord but with each other and with jim the resident director And and then they just get stabilized. It's really a recalibration, because the streets are not that close behind where they were. They have been in transitional housing all over Massachusetts, primarily in in Boston, but not exclusively. And it's just as Marlene says, and I'm learning. You know, you lift that bird. That gentleman didn't like his haircut. It could have been filthy. I don't know, but he needed it okay, let's go down, there's, there's 10 haircuts down here, you know, and they got a haircut, and that simple thing, there's no manual for that, you don't get that under the VASH program, and the next thing we're going to do is make sure that interview, you, and, you know, he might have, a, he, need, he might need a dentist, and dentistry with veterans, it's not always that um, uh, encompassing, there's a lot of programs that just don't have it, so those are the little things, and then integrating into the community, Olivia's very important to us as a nonprofit and a large nonprofit, um, we believe in our responsibility to the host community, and that and that's giving back. It's not just writing a check, but it's really giving back to the neediest. You know, and Austin Brighton has many communities, a, a pretty a needy population. So I mean, the food insecurity has been eliminated with the one meal a day. I just want to make sure you know they're eating three meals a day, or they can eat ten. This mm-hmm. is in addition to the stop and shop or the, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and so forth. And I think in Soldier On, we took it. We put in a couple of freezes. They're they're paying for the meals. They ship them down from from Topsfield. Um, I'm sorry, from um, Springfield, and it just gives the gives the betterment sense that okay, I have a meal today. I can put it in the microwave. Okay, yeah. if it's a bad day, if it's a cloudy day, rainy. They're not coming out of the unit. It just gives them that sense of Mm -hmm. um, of, um, they
1: don't have to do it. They don't have to do it. It just takes
2: that anxiety around them. And, you know, psych, is obviously, as you know, a big, a big deal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Really supporting as much as they want the support. So, you know, it's a balance between the independence of living on their own. And Mm -hmm. the support of having people there should they need them. And I think that model is working well for most of them that, you know, they don't need us 24 hours a day, but they know if they need something, just call and we'll see what we can do to make that Mm -hmm. day a little bit easier for them down to fruit in the lobby and snack bars and things like that. Just so Mm -hmm. then even thinking about that so that they can try to get back on track. And, you know, I think this model We were very fortunate, and all nonprofits that are doing great work like this, and the VA that are placing people in private housing, have the opportunity to put 25 units together.
0: All in all, the issue still stands. There are homeless veterans out on the streets of Boston. More since COVID, I'm sure. And the city cannot keep standing by an outdated and questionable statement that they have solved the problem saying they solved the problem once already only invited more of problem as veterans flocked to boston only to be met with an overwhelmed system not open to them organizations like brighton marine are doing objectively good work there is hope but that's not for me to say i don't have to sleep on a bench outside south station every night Mm. Thank you for listening to this slightly different episode of the To The Heights podcast. As always, thank you all for listening. We're back on our Monday morning schedule, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to listen in next Monday. As always, you can find this podcast and all other Grexley podcasts on grexley.com, as well as our merch and Patreon if you feel called to support this media endeavor. If you have a guest or topic recommendation, send it our way at grexley.com slash to the heights in the contact form or email us directly at totheheightspodcast at gmail.com. Additionally, if you have any questions for me about social justice, anything we've talked about this season, or just life in general, send it in for our next Ask Olivia episode, also using totheheightspodcast at gmail.com. I hope you are all well during this crazy time. I'll talk to you next week, and keep on reaching to the heights.